Welcome back to the Duke and Duchess podcast. Welcome. Today we are covering Paper Girls, number two. Volume two. This will include the comics, number six through ten. Correct. And do you want to tell us who it's by? It is by Brian K. Vaughn and a talented team of artists Cliff Chang, Matt Wilson, and Jared K. Fletcher. So I am really enjoying this series so far, and I've been waiting and waiting for us to do this podcast so we can get in and go ahead and read Paper Girls 3. Yes. <laughs> She's like, look, we we got to hurry up with this. Because <laughs> Paper Girls 3 I know 3 you is, have a job and all, but... It's sitting there on the shelf. <laughs> and I ain't going to wait much longer. Look, I promised I would never lie to you. <laughs> oh, I might have looked at the first two pages. Uh, well, that's what happened with Paper Girls number two. So there's nothing new about that. Cheater. <laughs> I did it then too. Yes. But that time I forgot. This time I did it on purpose. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. Now, see? See what it's like when the shoe's on the other foot? So none of my predictions have to do anything to do with what happens in those first two pages. But I did. Just full disclosure, honesty in podcasting is is what I'm all about here. (laughs) Not discipline in podcasting. No. Not restraint in podcasting. Come on now. Let's be realistic. (laughs) But honesty. Look, I'm a fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about it. Exactly. So it's our the motto sp- of our relationship. Right. So our spoiler policy is simply that neither of us, in theory, have read ahead. <laughs> I can tell you I haven't read ahead. <laughs> I cannot speak Look, for Liz. You're older and more disciplined than me. <laughs> Look, I just know. You know who Philip C. Riley is. Do you mean Charles Nelson Riley? No. (laughs) Paul Lind? (laughs) That's a callback to another episode. Let's get back to the comic book. Perhaps we should. (laughs) Um, Okay. Paper Girls 2. So this comic book opens on a scene of coffee, somebody enjoying their coffee. And it ends on a scene of a giant monster on the side of a mountain. Because if you don't give me my coffee in the morning, this is what I'm going to turn into. Yes. If I don't have my quiet time with my coffee, we're going to turn this whole hillside. That's right. Into a riot of shame. Sorry, the last one began and ended like on a scene of an apple, and it was very poignant. It did, and when you started that sentence, I was like, is there coffee at the end of the book? I didn't (laughs) miss that. It looks like it could be a coffee fields in South America. It's coffee country. I don't think that's South America. So the book opens up on it with a picture of adult version of Aaron. Yeah, older Aaron. Older Aaron uh, sitting in a cubicle, and she is drinking coffee. 
then it cuts to her driving to work. So we get to see the last book ended with young Aaron and her friends being propelled into the future, stopping a car, run, driving down the road and and asking for help. And the person who gets out of the car is the adult version of Aaron. That's right. So that's where we ended. So now we see that scene from adult Aaron's perspective. Mm-hmm. She's driving to work. It's June 1st, 2016. She's listening to a podcast on aliens. <laughs> and she gets a call from her sister, Missy, and they have a charming little funny conversation about whether their mom's insane or not. She is. She is. By the way. Uh, Missy's a pilot now. We learn that Aaron is 40, but she's still waking up god awful hours of the morning and then you know she's stopped by the three girls so we we finally get to find out what happens from there adult aaron quizzes child aaron and asks her some questions that only she would know and um, then when she's becomes convinced that it's her she asks about the scar and she's very upset she says do you have a scar on your stomach and she because she can't remember where that came from so what i liked about this interaction is that Adult Aaron believes that child Aaron is herself pretty quickly. Like we don't go yeah. through a lot of tiresome like, is this a hoax? How do I blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, and, yeah. You know a lot of stories or, or books, that would have part would go on a lot longer. And she's pretty quick to believe her. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. I One of the things I liked, and I know this is a tiny thing, but I complained at the, I didn't complain. I kind of made a joke at the end. I said, I'm worried about, you know, future Aaron, Aaron from 2016, because she's driving around and she's got her iPhone in her pocket, but it's kind of like half sticking out and she's got one earbud in her ear. I'm like, is she driving around and listening to to music through one earbud because she doesn't have a Bluetooth in her car? Future Aaron has really fallen far. I'm worried about her. Well, no, it turns out that as she was driving and trying to get a phone call with her on her having a phone call with her sister she had to take her phone halfway out and plug in her headpiece so that she could talk on the bluetooth through her phone and so it's just impressive to me that that little image at the end with her with one earbud in wasn't just a throwaway thing. Like there, there was a legitimate, that was thought through. They, and they thought that through from episode to episode to episode. So I just like that consistency and that they're thinking about things that deeply. Yes, I caught that as well. And that was that was pretty cool. So we then cut to Grandfather and Mole Lady, whose name is Cardinal. Molly. <laughs> Listen, if we can't give everybody their own nicknames in this story, then what the hell are we doing here? Exactly. So when the last book ended, they were confronting the girls and trying to bring them in for something. And boom, the time pod that the teenagers were driving exploded. Yeah. So Grandfather and Molly are checking out the blast. And Grandfather confirms that the teenage boys died but that the four local girls were timelined. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. He said that they had uh, folded. Right. So it appears that they're they're tra- time traveling by folding the timeline. And they talk about, you know, it folded in on itself like a cube. and It's a all- tesseract. <laughs> Sorry. 
So all all these different different things, but I like that we're kind of getting a, a glimpse into what that is. And the first time I read it, I didn't really catch that line, but the folding thing comes back later when they talk about the first folding and the fourth folding and the fifth folding. And I didn't, you know, I didn't quite catch that that those things were related and that and so that's kind of how they're they're traveling the timeline. Sort of like people would fold space as a way of doing faster than light travel to a this, you know, pop up from one part of the universe to another part of the universe. Uh, I know that that happens in the Dune universe and some other ones as well. You know, in this case, it seems like they're doing the same idea, but with time instead of space. Right. And it's funny because um, our eight-year-old was homesick this week. And so I started reading her A Wrinkle in Time. That's right. Where they talk about time travel through a tesseract, which is a basically a cubing of a cube. And so I... so. I can understand it when it's on like eight eight year old literature level, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how they describe time travel. That theoretical time travel of a folding space and time, uh, making a wrinkle in it so you can jump from one point to another instantly. Yeah. So it is interesting to I I like the way they lay out the science of the book piece by piece. You kind of pick up on little things, and we'll get more into yeah. The time travel science, but so the Cardinal wants to call in the hunt for the girls and grandfather says that if anyone was to break curfew, the mess would be impossible to undo. And he says that the girls need to find their own way home or they won't have a home to come back to. So again, it sets up, there's dire consequences for messing with the timeline Mm -hmm. in this world. And he's wearing an Apple Records t-shirt, which I'm not happy about. Don't need to give those bastards any more control. Really, it's Amazon that's taking over the world. Well, Amazon makes an appearance in this in this comic book he as do, well. It does. I thought that was interesting. So adult Aaron is driving the girls back to her house, and they, they're squabbling. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, there's... I mean, Mac is definitely trying to feel up Tiff's boobs. <laughs> right? Clearly. That's what I'm saying. Um, we have some fun reactions of the girls to the future. They come into Aaron's house and take their shoes off, take their shoes off. The TV is really thin. (laughs) They're blown away by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. One thing I loved is they come in and they, they turn the television on and there's a, it's a preview for the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie Uh and they're watching it for and their stars are in their eyes and they're like whoa like they're blown away by the special effects and and kind of as an aside Mac like tilts her head and goes wait is this movie for (laughs) grown-ups yeah 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 (laughs) so while they're watching and kind of processing things the news comes on and it shows that downtown there is a crazy pink sky and they decide they need to go there because they have flown forward in time, but KJ is not with them. So they're trying to figure out how to find her and get her back. Mm-hmm. She's at the mall. Of course. Turns out she's, she's at a 12-year-old girl. Of course she's at the mall. <laughs> From the 80s. So an interesting dynamic starts to develop here. And I want to get into it a little bit later between adult Aaron and child Aaron. We just see a little bit of tension there. It's just interesting to watch that develop through this part of the comic. But before we get into more into that, mm-hmm. we see a a red suited being speaking the teenagerish language that the, sort yeah, of the weird symbol, symbol language. language. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
lands and vaporizes some random dude who's walking by. And when the red-suited being takes their helmet off, it's Aaron. It's Aaron, yeah. Young Aaron. Mm -hmm. And the suit uh, looks sort of like that organic material from the, from the time pod that was jumping around. It does. And the parachute that she is holding it yeah. looks the same, like the same kind of parachute material as well. Yep, absolutely. So that's interesting. So we, we bounce around a little bit here. Back at adult Aaron's house, they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do. They're arguing. Uh, they want to, some of the girls want to go charging off downtown and look for KJ. Adult Aaron says, that's crazy. I can't be driving around in the middle of the day with exactly. a bunch of 12-year-olds. Exactly. Um, Aaron, adult Aaron pulls out her phone and they say, what's that? And they pull out the, what we thought in the last book was an iPod. Turns out that it's not an iPod. I didn't think it was an iPod shuffle. I was like, that's not an iPod shuffle. But then as time went on, I was like, of course it is. Of, it, of course it's an iPod shuffle. What else could it be? Well, it turns out to be some kind of crazy future version of the iPod shuffle. Right? So when adult Aaron picks it up, it asks her if she wants to sync to the device. And when she says yes, it, it begins to speak only to her and show her maps and things, which is pretty freaking cool. Is that what we're going to get? I don't know. I mean, will I be able to like have Google Maps running constantly, but only I can see it? The the implications are staggering of what what could be going on around you that I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know. But when you think about, you know, 20, 30 years ago, would you have guessed that we would be walking around with tiny computers in our pockets? No, not at all. Not even slightly. It's interesting the way the technology develops in just in areas you didn't anticipate. Because I remember distinctly, you know, in the 80s, everybody thought we were going to have flying cars. Flying cars. Flying yep. cars. For sure. You know, but nobody would have anticipated what happened with cell phones and computers. Like, never, never in a million years would they have guessed. Well, you know, like the other day, we were watching Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. You were watching Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. <laughs> you were watching it too. I mean, I was in the same room with you. <laughs> I have fond memories of being really hungover in college and watching Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. That's what's remarkable to me. It's that it's not that you watched it when it came out. It's that you watched it when you were 20 years old in college. <laughs> years after the movie came out. Anyway, anyway. The point being that it's interesting to look at what they thought the technology was going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and having the the idea of having a, a phone with a camera in it what didn't even make it into that no movie mm -hmm. like i forget what they needed a picture of for something and they had to come up with some convoluted way but the <laughs> idea of having a tiny camera was like not even didn't cross in minds. those writers like concept but they had, they had a space station i mean oh, they yeah, lived yeah, yeah. on a space station well, well what's shocking about that is at that time cell phones existed mm -hmm. <laughs> like right so it was like it wasn't as though you know, they were trying to project that from the 70s. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like 92. <laughs> was it really? Something like we're that. We're sitting there with the kids and I'm like, look, kids, 
this is a movie from when I was little. Not and you really. were like, not really. Not really. You were pretty much a grown woman when this <laughs> <Yeah>. came out. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway. Whew. I'm Let's sorry. go to the mall. Off base. See when you put me in charge. <laughs> this is what happens. So the gang, the girls decide to split up. Um, this news story comes on and adult Aaron is not willing to cram all of them into her tiny smart car, which she has. But young Aaron turns to the others and says, you know, I think that adult me might not be totally mentally stable. Yeah. <laughs> she was acting very upset. So they decide, she says, why don't you two take some bikes and try to find the adult versions of you and see if they're any better. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll go with her to the mall and I'll keep an eye on her. So that little Somebody's bit of like. Somebody's got to watch her. Right. Exactly. Uh, in the meantime, spacesuit Aaron shows up. It's funny because in my notes, that's what I call her too. Spacesuit Aaron. Mm-hmm. Nice. High five. Spacesuit Aaron shows up, and her spacesuit has converted to a snazzy backpack. <laughs> now that's some technology. That's some technology we could use, right? She warns another girl who is taking pictures of something that is happening off of a pier, and says, "You better erase that from your phone, or the old timers will come and poison your mind and make you forget everything you've seen." Mm-hmm. But before she has a chance to elaborate further on this, a giant, weird, sucky mouth monster charges up out of the bay and is just like do you mean a water bear a water bear it's a tardigrades tardigrades Mm -hmm. tardigrades i don't know how you pronounce it okay and did you look that up yes i looked it up i didn't just know that that's crazy that's hot no it's (laughs) it's called a water bear okay and it's a tiny little arthropod it is just this tiny, tiny, uh, not microscopic, but extremely small thing. But it is one of the most durable animals on the planet. It can survive in like lava hot, Arctic cold, no water, moist, you know, underwater can survive in almost anything. Interesting. But they're tiny. Yeah. Like, like, like. Average size is like a half a millimeter for a full-grown adult. Interesting. So no, you can see it with the naked eye, but not very clearly. However, in this book, they are several stories tall. Yeah, 40-foot tall arthropod. Tiny little almost bacteria type thing. Not bacteria, but like uh, parasite. All right, so giant parasites. Fun times. I'm still going to call it the mouth-sucky looking Go right creature. ahead. Go right ahead. Jump up out of the bay and start, you know, roaring menacingly. So spacesuit Aaron runs to an Uber sitting there. Doesn't quite understand the concept of Uber. Yeah. So we get the idea that this is maybe not an actual version of the Aaron that we have seen. Yeah. She speaks very differently. Uh, when the Uber tells her that she needs to get the app and order a ride, she she says something like... Yeah, she says... Madam, I'm having trouble translating that, but I am obviously a child in urgent distress, and you have a moral and legal responsibility. And then, see, they get interrupted by the way more than 40 foot, now that I look at that son of a bitch is enormous. Yes, several stories high, these giant creatures. So we have... Giant water bear. It makes it sound cute when you call them water bears. It does make it sound cute. They are not... look. They do not look cute. <laughs> um, not even slightly. So one thing I thought was interesting in this part is the 
spacesuit Aaron is talking to the Uber driver who's like, what is happening? And she mentions um, something about size being relative to time. So as one starts to approach the Koshi horizon, mentioned something called the Koshi horizon. So I looked that I up. Say, did you look that up? I did. You just happened to know that? I did not happen <laughs> to know that. In fact, we had to look up the pronunciation because I was calling it the Couchy Horizon. <laughs> and I was about to come on the podcast and call it Listen, that. Listen, I hit the Couchy Horizon every night after the kids go to bed. <laughs> That's right. As we get closer to 9 p.m., <laughs> the closer I get to the Couchy Horizon. Yes. Indeed. Well, this is not the Couchy Horizon. It's the Koshi Horizon. Oh, well, that's different. And uh, I was like, ah, we'll look that up and we can tell our listeners what that actually is. So I looked it up. I cannot tell our listeners what it is. <laughs> because even after like 40 minutes of trying to read physics articles about the Koshi Horizon, I am no closer to an understanding <laughs> as to what it actually is. So the closest I could come was, uh, this is from a, a, a little comment posted by Reddit user MidTech explained it Thank this you. way. Thank you, MidTech. The, um, the, it's the inner horizon of a black hole. It's the boundary of the region that contains closed time-like curves, basically. And that these curves are non-trivial loops through space-time that can be traveled by a single massive particle, which begin and end at the same temporal coordinate. So basically, um, the simplest way to think of it is a boundary in space beyond which you can't predict anything. And that if these curves exist, their existence would imply the theoretical possibility of backward time travel. Wow, that that's amazing because... The book I'm reading right now, that is almost entirely what it's about. Really? Tell, what, what, what book is that? Hyperion. And without getting into spoilers for Hyperion, there is a place beyond which it, it, it's a future, far future sci-fi, and they're at the point where they can predict almost everything with 99 the future with almost 99.99999% accuracy but there's a place beyond where they cannot predict and in that place time is backwards yeah that's the couchy horizon that's the, the couchy horizon yeah well i've been on the couchy horizon in the and no chat escapes from it <laughs> that's right what once you reach the couchy horizon, your ass is <laughs> You're there. Done. You're done. It has nothing to do with light or Especially physics. Especially if you put on a stupid TV show. The stupider, the better. The stupider, Look, the better. How, why they have not reissued or redone ABC's Wipeout is beyond me. <laughs> Give me back my stupid television. <laughs> Well, really, it's because you could watch the same season over and over, and it's kind of the same thing. Isn't no. It? <laughs> let's talk about, let's get back to the I'm physics sorry. lessons. I'm sorry. Let's get back to the the cushy horizon. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I've learned about it. Very, very incomplete. It's also, it's really a kind of a complex mathematical concept that kind of has to do with physics. But what I think is interesting in any kind of time travel story is to look at, okay, what type of time travel are we dealing with? Is it like Doctor Who time travel where it's, you know, 
you can only not interfere with the timeline when it's plot convenient. Yeah. yeah. You know, and otherwise it's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, who cares? Oh, whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all about the story and, you mm-hmm. know, we'll make consequences for time travel when it, when we want to. Yeah. That doesn't seem like this kind of story. No. They, this seems like a much more hard science based kind of time travel, which I like. I mean, I love Doctor Who as well. But um, David Tennant can get away with a whole lot of my book. But, um, <laughs> you know. It doesn't have anything to do with science. <laughs> uh, does it? But it's hard. <laughs> you like that hard <laughs> David Tennant science. <laughs> Damn, you're making me double over. <laughs> I like David Tennant double entendres. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, I yeah. think that was a single entendre. That was, you're right. David Tennant Maybe has a was... penis. <laughs> <laughs> it was maybe one and a half entendres. He calls it Matt Smith. <laughs> Come on, little Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if we can put that out there. <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> One way or another. <laughs> Matt Smith does. <laughs> or David Tennant does. <sighs> can we get back to the 12-year-olds at the mall? I'm trying to put this Look, show back to, on the I'm rails. To, I was trying to keep it highbrow here. I read <laughs> physics articles for this podcast. <laughs> I don't know how you got to David Tennant's penis, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, we need to move on. Science. So. science. It's been peer-reviewed. <laughs> it was looked at by Christopher Eggleston. It was looked at by Matt Smith. It was looked at... All the doctors looked at it. It was peer reviewed. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's a penis. Could you please put it away, David? So back at the mall. <laughs> so what I like about the next page uh-huh. is the two Aaron's, old Aaron and and our original Aaron, walk up and they see graffiti, and it says the graffiti says, "Eat ass, suck dick." And old Aaron's sitting there with 12-year-old Aaron just staring at it going, (laughs) what the hell do I do with this? How do I explain this to my 12-year-old self? It's an interesting dynamic between the two of them in this scene. So they they get to the mall, and older Aaron explains that the mall is closed, even Walden Books. Even Walden Books? I I know. I miss Walden Walden Books. Books. I know. Mm -hmm. So Amazon is a bitch. Young Aaron says that she thinks maybe this timeline is wrong and maybe she needs to go back and change it. And older Aaron says, I know Spencer's gifts is gone, but that doesn't mean things are (laughs) post-apocalyptic. So here we really sort of see the the culmination of the tension that's been rising between the two Aaron's. And it's a really neat exploration of the, this universal theme of self-acceptance. And it's not the first time that this has been done by having a character actually meet their younger self and have to learn to accept themselves. But I think it's done really neatly here. It is. It's uh, it's not super ham fisted. It's subtle. 
But we see the younger Aaron not really trusting her adult self, uh, thinking she might not be mentally sane. She questions her language. She asks her not to curse so much and yeah. says, it, so- it makes it sound like we're trying to be cool, you know? And uh, she questions her taking Xanax, all this kind of stuff. So we've got this one, this character in this version of herself who is probably the most self-confident she's going to be. You know, she hasn't gotten into the the really awkward teenage years yet. Mm-hmm. You know, she's 12. And in the 80s, 12 was a lot younger, I think, than it is today, sadly. In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Maybe it was just if you were me. <laughs> well, I was a very young 12. Well, you were 12 right up until you were 20. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But, um... So we've got one version of herself who is thinks pretty much thinks she knows what's going on in the world. She's uh, she's very confident in herself. And then we've got Aaron at 40, who is obviously terrified of the judgment of her younger self. Mm-hmm. Um, she's obviously not happy with where she's at in her life. She's not happy with her job. She doesn't think very highly of herself. They're kind of polar opposites. And. There's also clearly a pretty big disconnect in her memories of being 12. Yeah. She doesn't remember being shot and she doesn't remember the other girls at all. Well, I think that's more of a timeline peculiarity, but. However, when I thought back, I was like, wow, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't, she remembers the girls and the night of delivering papers though. Yeah. She doesn't remember the supernatural events. No. But I was trying to think back to when I'm 12, was 12 and whether I think I would remember if I hung out with three random girls for one night when I was 12, Hmm. would I remember who they were? Probably not. Hmm. So there's a disconnect between her and her younger self. And I think that's something that for me, I could really relate to. And I think a lot of people could relate to. And that when the young Aaron accepts and approves of the old Aaron, it's really a sweet and emotionally satisfying scene. It is. Yeah. You know, when uh, young Aaron says that the timeline is wrong, older Aaron takes it personally. And she's kind of taken every little criticism personally yeah. up to this point. But she finally could, puts it out there and says, I, I know you've caught me at a weird time. You must be disappointed that I'm like fat and not married and at a dead end job. And younger Aaron is like doesn't put up with that. Yeah. And I love her reaction to when older Aaron calls herself fat. And she's like, stop that, you idiot. Yeah. You know, that's gross. That's something dad would say. And then she tells her that she thinks they're cool. She thinks her hair is cool. And she likes her shirt. And she thinks it's cool that they're not married. And then she stops because older Aaron just turns around and just bear hugs her. You know, and that's just that was such a wonderfully emotionally resonant moment for me. Yeah. You know, that's something that all of us kind of are looking for. Mm hmm. So they have their moment and they go into the mall. Now we cut to the other two girls who are trying to find their older selves. And they're driving around and they're looking at the different cars and they're looking at the Hillary for president signs. And they're like, whoa, a girl president. And uh, it's interesting to me that, you know, this came out like right when the 2016 election was like at its peak. So I, I don't know if I, I suspect that when this was written and came out like weeks before the f- election was finalized. So in- interesting there. But, you know, they're driving around and just kind of, you know, remarking on 
the different, you know, how different they are. And Tiffany is very positive about it. And KJ is very down about it. But uh, Mac, I'm sorry, Mac is very down about it, not KJ. But then they go to Mac's old house and knock on the door. But her family's not there. There's an older Hispanic gentleman who answers the door, and he explains that they bought the house from the old family when their daughter passed away back in 92. And that's when they realize that Mac dies from leukemia in four years. Or that's the assumption that that's they jumped to. That's the assumption that they jumped to. Correct, yeah. I mean, for all they know... Mac's family could have moved out in 89 and some other family could have had a daughter who died of leukemia. Right. And that's my prediction. Oh, one is of it? my predictions. Sorry, oh, jumping into you. that a little bit early, but I had to get that one in there you before got, you said that's it. right. You got to jump on top of that. <laughs> you stake that ground. Because when they, when they start speaking to the gentleman and I don't think it's coincidence or just thrown in there that he does not a native English speaker. So mm-hmm. he answers the door, he speaks in Spanish, and Tiffany speaks Spanish, and she asks him, tells him that they're looking for the Coyle family, mm-hmm. and he says, and then he says, oh, do you maybe mean the family that we bought the house from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't remember the name Coyle, necessarily. Mm, good detail. But he says, I, we bought the house from a family whose daughter died in 92. Yeah. So... And Mac, in her very typical, I have to be cool, I have to be tough persona, does not, acts like she's not reacting to this. Tiff gets very upset and sad for her, but Mac's like, whatever. And this book ends with a really striking picture of Mac facing herself in a mirror, but her face is a skull. She has her hand up against the mirror, mm-hmm. and it's very, it's like... But yeah, it's pretty harsh. It's very dark image dark image and really just well done yeah absolutely it's a great comic so the next book opens with the errands at the mall and younger Aaron is saying that she feels like grandma and older Aaron says <laughs> means suddenly racist and weirdly specific ways against other asian people <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like that. It's one of my favorite lines in this in this particular section. Me too. But um, younger Aaron says that no, she means all this stuff has happened, and she doesn't it's remember like she, any of it. It's like she woke up thirty years later, right? Yeah. So it kind of goes back and forth between them and Mac and Tiff discussing Mac's end, and Tiff wants to go back see if they can find a way to change it. Max says, no, those teenage guys told us your end is your end. Wait a minute. Well, I want to, I want to, I'm sorry. I want to take a step back here. So the last frame in the mall where we leave the two errands, there is somebody, the shadow of somebody who's following them. Yes. And they are also at the same time following this map that is being projected to Correct. adult Aaron's head. Yes. Now, the re- so the reason why I wanted to jump back to that in particular is because when I first read this, I thought, well, that was just the other Aaron, the spacesuit Aaron, who was following her. But at this point, spacesuit Aaron is still sitting in an Uber. Right. And so who the hell is it? Because there's no other characters who show up. You're right. So who's that person? I do not know. Twilight Zone. <laughs> All right. So 
anyway, back to Tiff and Mac. Um, they're talking about Mac uh, having leukemia, and she says, I got three or four years left. That's practically an eternity. Right. And then they follow some police cars, I believe. But a whole bunch of police cars takes off and they decide to follow them Mm -hmm. and try to find. They give up on finding adult Tiff because she says she's probably teaching at MIT somewhere or dead because her parents have killed her because she's not teaching at MIT somewhere. They decide to follow the police cars. And at the same time, which everyone is pretty much heading downtown or heading to this mall, um, spacesuit Aaron is telling the the Uber lady that the Terragrades are from Earth. They're not aliens. Mm Mm-hmm. They have somehow, uh, I guess these tiny beings have been blown up exponentially. Mm-hmm. And in one of the articles I was reading about the Couché Horizon talked about approaching, about there being time curves on one side, space curves on one side, and your mass expanding as you approach it. But I can't explain it any better than that. So However, in theory, you could have something that gets blown up 2,000 times its original size. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know, you guys. Seriously, I was reading like like the Couché Horizon for dummies. And I was still <laughs> like, what? I still had no idea what I was reading. Uh, you know, th- some of these things are built upon so many concepts mm-hmm. that you, you have to kind of be steeped in the language to get it. And right. I, I think the Couché Horizon might be one of those. Uh, it, it is. But the Couchy Horizon. The Couchy Horizon, I am well is versed for, in. Everybody can, can, <laughs> can grab a piece of that. That's for every man. I spent a lot of time on the Couchy Horizon in college. <laughs> yes, you did. I was right there with you. <laughs> So, Spacesuit Aaron is trying to explain some things to Uber Lady. She explains that there aren't any parallel universes. This is not a parallel reality type situation, but that parts of the timeline can be rewritten. And she tells her that when humanity developed this ability to travel in time, some people, the old fuddy-duddies, thought maybe they shouldn't. And the good guys think that they should. So she says, enjoy your memories of these giant mouth sucky looking things because they're probably going to be erased eventually. And she tells her if there's anything out there that you've been scared to try, might as well give it a shot because you won't remember it tomorrow anyway. So and that's where we get to the central tension of the book so far is you've got one one generation that is two generations or so in the future who are the old timers who want to control this. And then you have the people who come afterwards who grew up with it, who say, fuck you, we're going to time travel. We're going to do whatever we want to. And that is where, you know, the characters we've met so far outside of the paper girls, that's where it comes from. That's kind of, you know, what it is. And it's interesting to me from a thematic sense, because one of the things I think we do run into with technology all the time is where the technology gives us capabilities that outpace what we have really thought through. Absolutely. Whether or not we've, you know, do we know just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. Have we thought through the ethics of it? Have we thought through the ramifications of it, you know? And we're in that situation all the time. 
like with the Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot. Exactly. Just because you can. Doesn't mean you should. Doesn't mean you should. Exactly. So just because David Tennant can show everyone in the world his penis through an iPhone doesn't mean that he should do it. But there are some people who want to see it. Do you want to see it, Liz? Is it a hard decision? Oh, no comment. <laughs> so back at the mall. Listen, you, you, every time you take it to physics, I'm going to take it to penises. <laughs> that's the promise I'm making to you. That, that's what we do. So one other thing, Spacesuit Aaron also refers to this event, possibly, as the mistake by the lake. Yeah. <laughs> she says that everyone at, it, involved in the mistake by the lake is going to have their memories altered by tomorrow. So that's interesting. Um, back at the mall, the Aarons are discussing who to go to for help. Uh, adult Aaron thinks that the authorities have covered something up. It's interesting to me that adult Aaron is a conspiracy theorist. Well, she is listening to a, yep. a a podcast in the beginning on how aliens built the pyramids. Basically. Well, she was listening to like a like an a an early overnight AM show, yeah, uh, AM radio show, and there's a lot of those like mm-hmm. really kind of fringe, lunatic, wacky, mm-hmm. you know, early AM radio type shows where they talk about all that crazy stuff, and and I didn't pick up on that the first time through it was it wasn't until the second time through actually it wasn't even until this point when i was like oh wait a minute i started mm-hmm. putting this strands here that's like the third time because she mentions also when they're in her apartment that the nsa is probably going to send soldiers if if she calls them the, the nsa is just going to send soldiers after her you know and i'm like well that's a little far to go and now i realize oh wait a minute and you know if if you lived in a timeline where you got shot and didn't know where it came from and, you know, and and that was a point where all kinds of wacky shit started happening to you, but you can't seem to remember it. It's mm. obviously affected her. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you would be a conspiracy theorist. Right. And she's obviously lost some of her confidence. And that's where 9-11 truthers come from. That is. Messing with the timeline. That's right. You get truthers. You want truthers? That's how you get truthers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. So that is, I think, probably been a, a pivotal point in her character development as well. You know, this character is nothing like the young version of herself in her self-confidence, her self-acceptance. And we could probably, a lot of us could say that about ourselves. Um, but yeah, I remember being 12 and, and knowing everything. Right. Absolutely. Now I don't know crap. Exactly. Except about the Couchy Horizon. <laughs> I know the Couchy Horizon very well. <laughs> Not the other one. But when younger Aaron asks older Aaron if she can, you know, she says, you work for the newspaper. Why can't you report on this? And she says uh, she can't really think about the future of her career until she's figured out her past. So definitely a big lack of confidence there. Then they notice a field hockey stick floating in the air. Yeah. Just hanging out like you do. In the meantime, Tiff and Mac are getting attacked by a maggot that has also been exploded in size mm-hmm. through going through a bad hole or so something. So it's interesting to me. I don't know if this means anything that in, in the scale, 
the maggot is significantly smaller than the water bears. And in reality, those proportions would probably be reversed. Right. And if these are microscopic hitchhikers that are being brought in with spacesuit Aaron, which Mm -hmm. is what she explains to the girl. So spacesuit Aaron shows up. She vaporizes the maggot with blasts from her wristband, temporal melting time, some kind of time melting thing. Mm -hmm. And she says to them, just feel lucky I didn't have head lice. So somehow the microscopic, these tiny beings are being when they expanded, come, yeah, when they come through the timeline, but not Aaron herself. Correct. Yeah. So something interesting there. Yeah, I f- feel like there might. It, it could be nothing. I don't want to overthink it, but I feel like those time proportions might actually be relevant in some way. I think it definitely will. Uh, as as well thought out and kind of intricately plotted as this is, That's right, yeah. I'd be surprised if it wasn't significant at some point. Yeah. Um, we also see kind of a, a development in Mac as she certainly doesn't seem to be reacting to the news that she is going to get leukemia. Yeah. But when the maggot attacks Tiff, she attacks it and yeah. says, this is, I know what day I'm going to die now. So basically I can do, pretty much do whatever I want until then. Yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of one of my predictions was when I found out, you know, that she had leukemia. I'm like, she's going to become extremely fatalistic at this point and just start doing, you know, things that are not safe. But when we get to, you know, the very end, that doesn't hold true anymore. So we'll we'll come back to that. So spaceship Aaron or spacesuit Aaron says, I want to take you to the only place you can be safe. About 68,000 years from now. Bom, bom. Can't even imagine that. The uh, In the mall, the two errands managed to free the hockey stick, which is hanging from the ceiling, stuck in something. And when they free it, younger Aaron sees that it has a message carved into it. It says, don't trust the other Aaron." Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, and of course, dun. she's only seen this one Aaron at this right. point. She doesn't know that there's another other, other Aaron. Aaron. Right. New Coke Aaron. Original <laughs> Coke Aaron. Timey-wimey Aaron. Timey-wimey Aaron. Coke Zero Aaron. Coke Zero Sugar Aaron. Oh, can't trust Coke that Coke Zero, Zero sugar. sugar. What are you doing, Coke bastards so yeah and the next scene the you know when we we open up the page of of the next issue of paper girls we see spacesuit aaron saying you must be very confused and she she kind of condescendingly explains stuff to them you can tell she's getting a little bit of a kick out of it but she freaks out when she realizes that they have already met up with new coke aaron yeah Mm -hmm. and back in the mall Young Aaron is also kind of freaking out over the message carved into this stick. She doesn't show it to adult Aaron. Because you would be. You would be. On the other side of the stick, however, are carved the words, get to the fourth folding now. They look at the, they use the, the iPod, the new iPod, to figure out where the fourth folding is. And it is hovering over Cleveland. Yeah. In the feet, middle of the air. Thousand feet over downtown Cleveland. So I want to take a, a quick step back here because what gets super crazy about any kind of time travel story is at this point, like, so at this point we don't really know 
that spacesuit Aaron is a clone that was sent there by Heck and Naldo. And the younger people, the people who want to move forward with, with time travel. We don't really know that at that point. So she could come from anywhere. But by that same virtue, anybody could have put that stick there. You know, that just because it's a, hot, a field hockey stick doesn't mean it came from KJ. You know, just because it's a clone doesn't mean it's from heck and not like we don't know who sent any of these people. So it, it gets extremely difficult to, to to determine who you're supposed to trust and who you're not supposed to trust. Right. And these characters are just kind of bouncing around. Yeah. These girls have been in this very intense situation, kind of one after another. Mm-hmm. You know, they're attacked by some weird teenage zombies. They're blown up a couple of times. They're shot. They're healed by weird nanobugs. Yeah. Brought to the future, brought to the past. I mean, it's been a very intense series of situations for them. Absolutely. So so Aaron does not question whether the stick is from KJ. No. And she keeps the message not to trust the other Aaron to herself mm-hmm. until they are then attacked by another microscopic, weird sucking looking thing blown large. Everyone shows up all together. The spaceship spacesuit Aaron tries to attack it, but she gets distracted by how old yeah. <laughs> adult Aaron is. And she gets knocked out. Tiffany jumps on his back, rides it like a rodeo horse, uh-huh. and uh, eventually Aaron stabs it with a hockey stick. This is when we find out that Spaceship Aaron is a clone. Correct. Not a, a another version, older or younger, of Aaron, mm-hmm. which was my first thought. When I first saw her, I thought, oh, it's, you know, Aaron travels to the future, then she travels to the past, you know. Yeah, in the initial frame, that's kind of what I thought right. it was, too. Right. So she finds out, we find out that she is a, a clone that was created by Uncle Heck and Uncle Naldo. We find out why these girls are special, why everyone is looking for them, because apparently when they first got zapped by the time pod, their DNA was encrypted, making them invisible to the old timers. And so therefore they've begun cloning them so that I guess these they can make soldiers that are also invisible. Yeah. So a great dislike and, and a lot of tension rises between clone Aaron and adult Aaron. And- mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because adult Aaron just met young Aaron and then a couple of other hours later meets another young Aaron, likes the one, assumes the other's a doppelganger. Again, why, why one over the other? Why do you trust the sticks from KJ but... You know, it's interesting that they make these decisions so quickly. And and old Aaron, you know, new Coke Aaron is like, I don't like that one. You know, and, mm-hmm. you know, to a point where it's almost sort of like kind of annoying, except from what we can tell, she's right. Right. So it's who just, knows? It, is it some sort of instinctual thing going on? It, Definitely there's antagonism from the clone Aaron. For sure. Towards the adult Aaron. Absolutely, yeah. And when she's asked, you know, what's what's the deal with the older timers, she says everyone over 30 is a monster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but right, adult Aaron, you know, while she could accept the younger version of herself, can't accept the clone version. Yeah. So we cut to Missy at this point, who is Aaron's younger sister. Uh-huh. She is witnessing a giant blimp spewing Editrix's 
coming out of a hole in the sky. <laughs> and a voice saying, please do not worry, all shall be done and forgotten. I love this this scene. Mm-hmm. It's like the old timers, they show up in like, like a Cadillac Eldorado <laughs> turned steampunk. It's like a steampunk version of gonna get you sucker. <laughs> But I, like I, I love this thing. Like that—that's a badass ship. And it well, seems and I thought like, it was interesting how a couple of scenes ago we have the grandfather saying, "No, we've got to lay low." Like, but let me now roll up in my blimp. Like, what? It's a monstrous, what you know. There? Right? Yeah. So it seems like Gramps' job is to go around and clean up all these sort of like time paradoxes that they might create erase people's memories of this stuff. So it's like they poke a hole in time, they do a folding, and his job is to go clean it up, which then gives us a glimpse into why they showed up and started zapping everybody in the first place. Right. Because somebody poked a hole in well, time. Heck and Naldo. Heck and Naldo, and their third guy who got his head bitten off by mm-hmm. a raptor, decided to show up and you know, presumably look for the paper girls, I'm assuming. And these guys show up trying to clean up their mess. We also learn in these next couple of scenes. So we go back and forth between the conflict between clone Aaron wanting them to go to someplace called the fifth folding, which was going to take them into the future where she says they'll be safe. And adult Aaron who is against them going anywhere with a doppelganger. Yeah. And she tells the other girls about the message from KJ Against Aaron's judgment, Aaron is making motions to her not to say anything. Yeah. Um, and they, they start kind of going back and forth about where's the right way to go. We then see that the grandfather and Cardinal are in the blimp. We also learn that 2016 is the year that his mother was born. Mm-hmm. So he's not Steve Jobs. No, he's not. Um, and he also says that, oh, the poor bastards have no idea that the problems are about to begin. So... A little depressing there. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Came on. So we kind of are going back and forth between the girls arguing about who to go with. And at first, Tiff and Mac are inclined to go with clone Aaron mm-hmm. because they think, hey, 68,000 years in the future, I bet they have a cure for leukemia. So let's rock that out. Uh, but adult Aaron still really doesn't trust her. Well, and and to this point, you know, I'm not, one, I mean, it to this point, I don't know which Aaron not to trust either. You know, the stick comes down, says, don't trust the other Aaron. Okay, well, which one? Like, you know, at this point, I'm not, I still tend to think that old Aaron is the one to trust, but I don't, I don't really have any evidence one way or, or, or the other. So you can sort of forgive the girls for, for not knowing which way to go. Yeah, I mean, for me as a reader, having seen Clone Aaron, you know, parachute down, accidentally vaporize a dude, and not even look that upset about it. Yeah. You know, when she calls that incident in, she's like, oh, well, bad news is, that's not even the bad news. You know, she says like, you know, she finally sinks with the timeline or whatever it is she does. And she says, well, the good news is, hopefully I won't vaporize any more bystanders. Yeah, yeah. And the bad news is I brought this giant monster with me yeah yeah no you're, but you're, she doesn't even kind of flinch at that 
and you you get a sense that the way she's talking and acting is very um she's a soldier so she's yeah. very militaristic and towards the end as she's trying to get them through the portal she's uh says something to the extent of you know my people have sacrificed and fought you're going to win this war for us you're coming with me yeah no i i'm i'm completely with you the, as i think about it more it's no it's clear it's clear that you know the doppelganger Aaron is the one not to trust, but I, but what I'm kind of saying is that you can sort of forgive. Oh sure, Mac and and Tiff for not really knowing who to trust, or even uh, younger Aaron for not knowing who to trust because you know they weren't there to see her vaporize people. You know they don't they weren't there in the Uber. They you know they don't see all this stuff. So you can kind of forgive them for not quite knowing who to trust but what kind of tips their hand to figure it out is when the doppelganger Aaron starts like you said you're going to win this war for us and then zaps older Aaron and at that point the girls immediately kind of figure out who the bad guy is right so at that point they are able to shove her through the hole back Mm -hmm. into her own time right before it closes now yeah and that window shows up and it's like this water world thing and i'm like well i guess global warming was right Ooh, good call or kevin costner was right do we all get fins do we all get gills that'd be pretty cool i'm not gonna lie (sighs) did you see water world i am don't remember i think i saw part of it i think let's just move on that'd be best for everyone okay (laughs) Uh, so the girls meet up with Missy, who is a badass helicopter pilot. Yeah. And she's uh, also takes very well the fact that her big sister is little and there's another version of her running around mm-hmm. um, because she's just seen a giant blimp fly through a hole in the sky. It's not the weirdest thing she's seen that day. No. <laughs> so we cut to the city center and we see the girl that we saw taking pictures earlier that yeah. spacesuit Aaron first talked to getting zapped into a stasis tube, which is mm-hmm. in the blimp with grandfather and grandfather tells Cardinal to ignore the choppers that are buzzing around and focus on getting all the school age girls transferred for processing. Yeah. And he says, my girls will take care of the rest. So who are his girls? Oh, I don't know. We do not know because somebody was following them through the mall. Yes, they were. It's interesting, and I find the um, character of the grandfather interesting. Yeah. There's one of the main paradoxes that they talk about, what comes up with with time travel, is called the grandfather paradox. Hmm. And it's that whole thing where if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, will it ever have happened because you'll have killed yourself before you can be born? So then, you know, it turns into like, if you go back in time and change anything, would it then create a paradox because you would have, like if you go back and kill Hitler, mm-hmm. would you have then erased World War II and everything that happened, which would then have taken away your reason for ever going back in time? So yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a, I don't know, it's just interesting that I think that's something that's going to be explored. There are some, there's something called the, I, I did not know this, I looked this up, the Novikov consistency principle, which says that um in the event that you could travel backwards in time, yeah. that probability would bend to prevent paradoxes. 
Mm. So it'll be interesting to see. We've already, obviously this is going to be addressed because we have the whole um, adult Aaron having the scar. She doesn't remember where it came from. Penis. Um, you're the yin to my yang. I had to look it up. <laughs> Penis. I'm not even going to try to be funny. You're going to look it up again. No, it's still there. <laughs> Slightly less useful, but it's st- <laughs> but it's still there. It's it's perfectly serviceable. Thank you. Uh, that got way too personal. Let's. Uh... <laughs> so, who are his girls? <laughs> I want to come back to that, who, okay. his, who his girls are. I, I think we should. Yeah. So the main girls, the girls we're following, are in a chopper. Um, they they are flying with Missy on their way to the fourth folding. And adult Aaron tells them that she's not going with them, that she and Missy are going to stay and try and help people here. Mm-hmm. And young Aaron asks what she can do to pay her back. And adult Aaron tells young Aaron... If you want to pay me back, stay friends with these girls. Because she says that the one regret she has in her life is that she was afraid of people. And she she kept people out. So the girls have a, a touching moment where they, they're getting ready to jump out of a helicopter. And Mac, who was, you know, crazy fatalistic, is like, uh, I, I don't know about this. This doesn't seem safe. So they have a touching moment where Tiffany and and she and Tiffany had a nice moment in the helicopter where they told each other they loved each other. The yeah. all three girls grab hands and they they take that leap of faith yep. through the portal just as the helicopter is being strangled by the editrixes. That's right. And they land safely in a field somewhere. And who's there to greet them? It's KJ. KJ. Yes. With her stick. So KJ is there. She still has her stick. For a second, you think they're like, where's Tiff? And you're like, oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I thought the same. Yeah. But Tiff is right there. So all four girls I'm like, are. I'm like, every time they jump, are they going to lose somebody? Right. Yeah. But all four girls are reunited. And um, they ask Tiff about how, you know, how did you get us those messages or what? You know, and she's like, what are you talking about? What are you about? talking about? Yeah. They talk about where they are. It, the last frame of the book is showing that they are on the top of a giant hill that has a demon carved holding an apple like an apple (laughs) symbol carved into the side of it yeah correct and And, that's where it ends and that's and so that's graham's girls what is so when graham said now it's time for my girls to take care of it that's where he's manipulating the timeline that in the first folding he put that hockey stick in there and he manipulated it. So KJ, not to say that it's not the real KJ, but this timeline is the timeline that he wanted them to go to. So where, uh, heck and Naldo wanted them to jump forward 67,000 years into the future. Graham, this is the timeline that Graham's wanted them to jump to. Hmm. He planted that stick to get them to go to the fourth folding so that they would meet up with KJ. That's his girls. KJ is his girl. Hmm. 
So why was he worried about getting all of the school age girls in for processing? Well, I think he's I think he still wants to try to to capture them beforehand, but this is kind of a fail safe. Mm, okay. I mean, because he can't he can't. It's too many variables for him to leave that. He's going right. to steer them that way, but that's a that's a passive you know way and he knows that heck and all those girl the you know the the clone is going to try to actively to drag them into that hole mm-hmm. so he wants to do everything he can to catch them before that that happens it doesn't make sense though in this regard though because why did they go after the helicopter and try to stop him from jumping through that hole i don't think they knew they were on that helicopter could very well be yeah i i think that you know, that he pointed, it was a point of having him say, ignore the helicopters, just yeah. look for all the school age girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that he had no idea that they would be on one of those helicopters. Yeah, could be. So I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not super confident about that prediction. I'm just, uh, you know, taking a swing. Haymaker. So any other predictions? Uh, but you have to go first. Oh, okay. So... Um, I still think that breaking curfew means somehow crossing a timeline. I think that this kind of time travel is one that has a lot of consequences. I think that one of those consequences is what called the caused the cataclysm. I think that somehow Apple discovered time travel and caused that problem and that somehow then they took over and banned time travel or made it impossible or highly regulated and that the teenagers are fighting back against it. Yep. I mean, could, could be. So I, I really only have two. The one I mentioned that, that KJ's timeline, the, the hill that they get dropped down on, you know, with the monster holding up the apple is, was one of Gramps's plans to try to get them away from uh, Heck and Naldo. And the second is that in the last episode we talked about this, uh, I went back and forth on who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. It seems like Gramps is the the big bad and Heck and Naldo are the good guys, but I'm not clear on that. So now my prediction is I don't think either of them are the good guys. I think they're both the bad guys. Mm. I think we're in a situation here where the paper girls are the protagonist Mm -hmm. and we have two antagonists. We have Mm. the old timers as the antagonist and the heck and Naldo crew, the futurist are also the antagonist. I don't think either of them are good guys. Interesting. So those are my predictions. Good predictions. I hope so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So I like yours. I like yours. Oh, thank you. You're yeah. welcome. You ready for some listener interactions? Yeah. All right. So Ian James Crone says, Apple is always the bad guy. Absolutely. As we put this podcast on iTunes. He also says, with all these one-off episodes, have you ever thought about covering video games? So he says, uh, you know, covering other nerd media, spec fiction, comic books, etc. Any plans to cover video games? I replied to him and I said, probably not. 
because we're just not in a place where video games are something we do. It just don't really fit into our lifestyle anymore. It used to, we used to both play a lot of video games, but so I don't see us doing a video game as a part of the podcast just because I can't see when we would get to that, you know? Yeah. Video games for me are like when I have other humans I have to take care of, I cannot start a good video game. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I can read a book and take care of kids. <laughs> I can like watch a movie and, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's like a an end to it. But uh, I, I get very sucked into video games. It becomes a problem for me. So um, with the exception of uh, occasionally I will dip, dip my toes back into King's Quest 4, which you can still play. Anyone who ever played the King's Quest yeah. video games back in the day, you can still... Uh, you can still play a web version of them. You so. know, it's funny you say that because as we mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was in this pod, this podcast or not, but we just went through a period of time where we, our daughter was very sick. And so we were kind of alternating spending time up awake with her at night. And so one of the nights that I was sitting down here with her, I played the original Legends of Zelda for about six hours. <laughs> through an emulator on a website uh-huh. playing the trying to play the original legend of zelda on my laptop uh-huh. just using the keyboard so it's it's uh it was fun not you know hard to do on a keyboard though yeah without a controller anyway yeah i i like video games are are they have such good storylines and things i could see how that could work for us but i just don't see in our in our lifestyle, how we'd be able to do it, uh, and, and continue to raise children and have jobs. So, so that is not to say, God bless y'all who play gamers who have kids. Um, you, you all have better boundaries than I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Not going to work for us. So Rashad Samuel says, great review guys. Hope it becomes a regular thing. I think he liked the comic talking specifically about the comic book thing. I put a question out there on Twitter and said, how big was your 80s hair? <laughs> and uh, David Emery said, well, I had hair in the 80s, so, you know, better days. Theo said, not big at all. Like the Ben Folds 5 song, I was never cool in school. I did once have that short back and sides with the short spiky look on top, but it just wasn't for me. So basically, I only ever had one haircut my entire life. My 80s hair was big. Was it? You had a mohawk. Very briefly (laughs) had a mohawk. That's hot. Very briefly. Uh, Elliot Cossum said, uh, my 80s hair was very small. I was eight. And Guitar Cast said, and this is the right answer, front or back. Oh. That's 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 the correct. That's the correct answer. So... That is our listener interaction. Would you like to hear some bad reviews for Paper Girls? What? There are no bad reviews for Paper Girls. There are bad reviews for Paper Girls. Stop it. What is wrong with people? Though there are very few. Some people just want to be sad. That's just, (laughs) that's my opinion. Some people just want to be sad. Well, there's only a couple. (laughs) If you gave them a cupcake, they would. Why isn't it pie? 
It, yeah. They would just get it damp and then complain about their damp cupcake. <laughs> Enjoy your damp cupcakes, all you people who don't like paper curls. They're the, the kind of people who would win the lotto and be like, or their friend would win the lotto and they'd say, they're going to have to pay a lot of taxes. <laughs> right. All right, lay lay them on me. What do these sad sacks have to say? <laughs> Who can not like this book? That is crazy. So the first bad review says, was hoping for more paper delivery <laughs> and less second-rate sci-fi thriller. I thought I was actually going to watch picture after picture of girls delivering papers. And here they come to Elm Street. That sounds like a Elm weird Street. fetish thing, man. <laughs> Just keep that to yourself. 1712 Maple Street. <laughs> and here we are at 1710 Maple Street. <laughs> so the next one says, found this on a list of gifts for 12-year-old girls. Not appropriate for 12-year-old girls. Okay. That's a fair one. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I would say that depending on your 12-year-old, you have to know your 12-year-old. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything on here where I would just flat out say. There, There is some, certainly a couple of gory parts, one or two. Yeah. Nothing that would freak out our 12-year-old. No, our 12-year-old would, no issues with, with the gore. She would be highly perplexed by all the uh, conversations about why are they talking about gay people and like, Right. Like that would be outside of her wheelhouse. But um, so here is the last one. The story was awful and made no sense whatsoever. The characters were basically characters of teens, except they were all supposed to be 12. 12. No 12-year-old known to man has ever used language like that, and certainly not with that level of talent. Usually at 12, kids are starting to learn their way around profanity. These girls sound like sailors. And don't get me started about the fact that one of them smokes. At 12, I disliked it intensely. I think Vaughn must be going for shock value. Either that or he has never met an actual child before. The story was bad, the characters were bad, and the writing was awful. I can't recommend this to anyone. Wow person really didn't like it so the reason why i highlighted it is their absolute insistence that this is wholly unrealistic for any 12 year old and i can tell you as a former reformed hoodlum that this is very much like what my 12 year old time was like i knew many 12 year olds who smoked not many, mm. but I definitely knew them. And when I was 12 years old, I made these girls look like Leave it to Beaver. And a lot of my friends did. Mm -hmm. So this whole insistence that have you ever actually met a 12-year-old is is ludicrous mm -hmm. because that's that was me in 1988. Mm. I mean, except that I had a penis. Ended on the P word. Uh, you know, that's what you call a callback. That is a callback. <laughs> Stop the podcast right there. It's perfect. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with your disagreement of that review. 
Yeah. yeah people are entitled to their opinion. Certainly. And, and I'm glad that in your world and in your worldview, 12-year-olds aren't as jaded and grown up as that. That's a good thing in my mind. Our 12-year-old certainly doesn't act that way. Well, and let me just say, you know, we've talked about this before. Our experiences as 12-year-olds are worlds apart. I was not allowed to ride my bike past the end of my parents' street. I just had to ride up and down the one court, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, very, very, like I would not have been having a paper route at 12. Yeah. For sure. I would not send our 12-year-old out on her bike at four in the morning. No, 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 no. So very, I was very sheltered. However, I did not find this, the the depiction of these 12-year-olds to be unrealistic. I acknowledge that there were 12-year-olds who went out and, did stuff like that and you know i didn't find the way that they talked to be you know i think there can be a i find it more irritating in in youth literature when children are written to speak less like adults Mm, yeah because like for me i remember as a kid and, and i'm reading the wrinkle in time again to our daughter but I remember loving that book as a kid because the kids didn't talk like kids. You know, that's not how I talk to myself in my mind. Yeah. Um, and I loved that they talked about scientific concepts that I didn't quite understand, but it, it, it didn't talk down to me. Yeah. You know, so I really liked that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I'm glad for the people who had that, you know, childhood, you know, and, and, and don't think with that level of vulgarity, but I, but to me, that's not even slightly unrealistic. So that has been bad reviews. I like the bad reviews. It's fun. It's fun. So anything else? Nope. I don't think I have anything else. All right. Outstanding. So you can find us on our website at the Duke and Duchess podcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at the D and D podcast. That's D is in David N is in Nancy D is in David podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Duke and Duchess or on our Facebook podcast group by searching for the Duke and Duchess podcast group. So thank you for your positive reviews on iTunes. We love the reviews on iTunes. And what we also love is when people share us on social media or talk about us with their friends. So thank you for that. And good night, everybody. Good night. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. Soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, or our world-famous erotic fanfiction reads. Whatever you're in the mood for, if you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find Cast Request on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at esopodcast.com.